The Pocket Astronomer with Mark Thompson. In tonight's mini-sode, we'll be exploring the sky after midnight as we hunt for meteors. The following episode is ideal for listeners in the UK, Northern Europe, Northern USA and Canada during the third week of November 2020. You're listening to The Pocket Astronomer, your audio guide to the stars. I'm Mark Thompson and I'm addicted to stargazing. After listening to this podcast, I really hope that you will be too. In these November special editions, I'll be challenging you to make a new observation every week. And by the end of the month, you should have a great feel for new parts of the sky. I'll also be giving you facts, figures, myths and legends about each observation. And remember, you don't need any telescope or binoculars. Just your eyes and a sense of adventure. To get the most out of this episode, I'm afraid it's going to be a late one. Meteor hunting is best done in the hours after midnight, so you need to head outside at 1am, yes 1am in the morning, in the third week of November. At that time of night, we're on the forward-facing hemisphere of the Earth, so it's the best time for hunting for meteors. It's a bit like a car driving through a swarm of flies, more squashed on the front of the car than on the back. Before you head outside, here are four important things to remember. Make sure you wrap up warm. Make sure your garden is free from any trip hazards. If you start to feel cold or disorientated, don't be afraid to take a break. You can pause and rewind this guide at any point. When you're ready, we'll begin. Glad you could make it. Before we begin, it's a good idea to get our eyes acclimatised to the night sky, so turn off any lights in the garden or the house, or at least close all the curtains. Now find yourself a comfortable spot. I like to stand, but you might find it easier to sit down or even lie on the grass. Comfortable? Great. Now count to 20 whilst you let your eyes get used to the dark. This gives the iris of your eye time to fully open or dilate. It actually takes a good 40 minutes for your eye to become fully dark adapted, so you'll notice that you can see more and more as we wander among the stars together. Five, four, three, two, and one. There. You should now be starting to see the night sky a little bit more clearly. Time to make tonight's observation. And remember, if you need a few moments, feel free to hit pause at any time and I'll wait for you. The Leonid Meteor Shower We don't have a particular constellation target tonight because our quest is to spot meteors from the Leonid Meteor Shower. Meteors, or shooting stars as they are known, are chunks of rock and dust from the size of a grain of sand to the size of a golf ball and sometimes even larger. When they fall through our atmosphere, they cause the gas to glow, giving the illusion of a star whizzing across the sky. If they burn up in the atmosphere, they're called meteors, but if they survive their fiery plunge to Earth, they're called meteorites. 
About 20 times each year we see meteor showers and this week is the turn of the Leonid meteor shower. It peaks in the early hours of the 18th of November when you might get to see up to 20 meteors in one hour. Our ancestors were fascinated by meteor showers and they were often seen as a sign that something good or more usually something bad was going to happen or had just happened. The Roman historian Cassius Dio talked of the comet stars occurring in August 30 BC and they coincided with the death of the Egyptian queen Cleopatra. It's now thought that the event was the Perseid meteor shower, an event that still happens every August. To start our hunt, we need to know where to look. Have a scan around the horizon. You're looking for a bright star about two fist widths above the horizon. Remember that a fist width is the width of your fist at arm's length. You're looking for the brightest star in the sky, but you may see two bright objects in that position. If you found one that glows with a steady red or pink colour, then you found Mars, so turn a little bit to the left to find another bright object about the same height. It should be twinkling away. You've now found Sirius, the brightest star in the northern sky. Found it? Press pause if you need a few moments to get there, and remember you can skip backwards if you need to hear these instructions again. You're now looking southeast and facing in the right direction to spot meteors. To the left of Sirius are the rather more inconspicuous stars of the constellation Leo, and it's from here that the meteors all seem to come from, hence the name the Leonids, yet this is not where we need to be looking. From Sirius, move two fist widths to the upper left to find Procyon, a yellow-white star in Canis Minor. Four fist widths to the left and down a little takes us into the constellation Leo and to the approximate location what's known as the Radiant. This is the point in the sky where all the Leonid meteors seem to come from. But it's just a perspective thing because they don't really all come from there. Imagine standing on a bridge over a railway track. As the track disappears into the distance, the rails all seem to disappear at a point on the horizon, yet we know they're all parallel. In the same way, the bits of rock that are the meteors are all swept up as the Earth travels through them, making them seem to move in parallel lines. The effect of perspective makes them seem to all come from the same point in the sky. Looking directly at the radiant means any meteors you spot will be heading straight towards you and you'll not have a long trail of light. In short, they'll be harder to see. To stand the best chance of spotting meteors, we need to look about four fist widths away from the radiant in any direction. Press pause and take a moment to explore the stars low down near the horizon. From Procyon, there is a red star of similar brightness to the upper right by two and a half fist widths. This is Betelgeuse, a star marking the shoulder of the hunter Orion, although its name translated literally means armpit of the giant. We're now about 60 degrees away from the radiant of the meteor shower, so in a good position to spot meteors. Keep your eyes peeled, they can appear at any time. The real trick to hunting for meteors is to not fixate on any particular part of the sky, and especially not at the radiant. We're now looking away from it, and we should do so to maximise our chances, so keep scanning the sky around this distance from the radiant to its right, above it and to the left. To the upper left of Betelgeuse, by three fist widths, are two stars sitting one above the other by just three finger widths. 
the two stars are in Gemini with Castor on the top and Pollux to the bottom. Press pause for a few moments and keep your eyes out for meteors around Sirius, Betelgeuse and Castor and Pollux. Above Castor and Pollux, by three fist widths, is the yellow star Capella in Auriga. You can keep looking out this far too. If you do see any Leonid meteors, then you're seeing the debris from comet Temple Tuttle. As the comet travels around the Sun, it drops debris along its orbit like a great celestial trail of breadcrumbs. Earth crosses the orbit of the comet every year in November, and particularly around the 17th and 18th of the month when we're near the centre of the stream, giving rise to the meteor shower. To the lower left of Capella, by about five fist widths, is the easily recognisable pattern of stars known as the plough. It looks like a giant saucepan with a bent handle. The plough is not actually a constellation, but is part of the larger constellation known as Ursa Major. Have you seen any meteors yet? If you're listening in the early hours of the 18th of November, then you may well get to see the peak of activity as the Earth goes through the densest part of the debris cloud. On any other night of the week, you will still see some meteors if you're patient, and for meteor hunting, patience really is the key. We've been moving around the sky from the southeast to the northeast, tracing out a path from 40 to 60 degrees, very roughly, from the radiant of the shower. This is the area of the sky that you should generally focus your gaze on but it's still quite possible to see them in other parts of the sky. Luck does have a little bit to do with it, but keep wandering among the stars of the Plough, Capella in Auriga, Gemini and Betelgeuse in Orion, and hopefully you will see what can often be one of nature's most amazing displays. Congratulations, you've completed part three of my November Stargazing Challenge. Next week, we'll be hunting down a bull and a star cluster. But in the meantime, if you've got any questions you want to ask me, simply email me at mark at thepocketastronomer.com and I might read yours out on the show. Equally, I'd love to receive any pictures of your own observations and the best ones I'll share on our Facebook page at The Pocket Astro. Thanks for joining me on my audio guide to the stars. I can't wait to see you again next episode. I'm Mark Thompson. Goodbye. The Pocket Astronomer was a Wider the Chicken production. It was written and presented by Mark Thompson with help from Lorraine Kelly. The producers were Redsy Bernard and Dan Page. If you enjoyed the show, please do three nice things for us. Subscribe, rate us on iTunes and tell a friend.